0: Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. Whether you are live on Moss Road or live streaming, I'm so glad that you've connected with us for week two of our series, which is called Happily Ever After. And and these videos that come right before the messages, we've wanted to give you a little window into some of your pastoral leaders in a way that you might not know them otherwise. Today's message, the second message in this Happily Ever After series is called How to Stay Strong. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 through 25. It's actually kind of our our resting place for the whole series we're doing really a a four-week deep dive into what it is that these words have to say uh, about the origin of marriage in general, about our marriages in particular, for those of you who are single or single again, about what marriages you've been through or what marriages might be in your future. And we've also got a A couple of really good tools uh, that you'll hear about a little bit later in our time together that I think will help all of you in this journey. And uh, maybe as you locate Genesis chapter 2 in your Bible, maybe your Bible looks like this. It looks like a book. You brought that kind of Bible with you. Or maybe it's uh, on your phone and you're scrolling there. Maybe you don't have it at all, in which case the words will be up on the screen at just the right time. But we always like to remind each other about a couple of things that we believe about the biblical library. And one of the things that we believe is that not book is library written by a lot of authors over a long span of time in multiple writing styles. The book of Genesis uh, is from the history section of the Bible and actually those opening chapters of Genesis are like history before there was even history where God kind of shows us the origin of things and the reason for things. And that's just a fact that a lot of people aren't aware of. Not book is library. The other thing that we remind ourselves about is is a deeply held conviction that you may still be pondering, studying, thinking about, or you may be like, yes, that's why I go to that church, because I believe this thing. But here it is. We believe there's no other library like this, we in leadership here. We believe that God breathes life into its words, Put his truth onto its pages. The Bible is inspired and eternal and true. Because we believe that in this place, we do something different when we're together. And some of you are already beating me to the punch. We lift it up. And if you've never been here before, you've never tuned in before, and there's phones and Bibles in the air, and you're like, that's just kind of strange. We don't get defensive when, we, when you say that. We admit it but we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we're a collection of people joyfully surrendered to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen? Amen. And before I say another word, let's pray. So God, thank you for how good you are. Thank you that so much of your goodness is just revealed to us in your word. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would fill me to communicate a measure of that goodness today. Because I really am powerless without you. But you're so good that because of you, I am never helpless. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's, uh, here's something that I know is true because I have been there a lot over 30 years of ministry. I've been there a lot when it happens. And, 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 and here's, here's what it is, this thing that's true. No one on their wedding day, in their vows, ever says, I'm going to give you seven good years and then we'll reevaluate. They just don't. No one has ever said, you have me now, but I'm keeping my options open, said no one ever on their vows. No, no, no one's ever said, you might be the first, but I doubt you'll be the last. No, said no one ever. I, instead, at every wedding I've ever officiated, it's always, always, always till death do us part. And I choose to believe that in the moment, People believe it, that they mean what they are saying and they mean what they are vowing. And, and, and the fact remains, that, that, and, and you know this, whether you are single, single again, or whether you're married now, you, you, you know this. By and large, it's better for the kids if a marriage endures. It's worse for divorce attorneys if a marriage endures, you'll end up with a better reputation and a bigger bank account and less fodder on social media. You won't be the subject of any gossip. We know this. We know that the idea of staying strong and enduring together in marriage is just better than the alternative. We know this. In fact, I really saw it in something that a preacher wrote about a couple that he saw who was quite old. Listen to this. And I think we have it up on the screen. I once knew a very old married couple who radiated a tremendous happiness. The wife, especially, was almost unable to move because of old age and illness. And yet, in whose kind old face, the joys and sufferings of many years had etched a hundred lines. She was filled with such a gratitude for life that I was touched to the quick. I asked myself, what could possibly be the source of her radiance? And suddenly I knew where it all came from. All at once, it became clear that this woman was dearly loved. It was not that she was a cheerful and pleasant person that she was loved by her husband all those years. It was the other way around. Because she was so loved, She became the person I saw before me. And who among us doesn't look at that image of what old age would be like? And and at some level, part of you has to say, I want that. I long for that. I yearn, yearn for that. How in the world can I stay Strong For some of you who are single and you think marriage might be in, in your future, well, how can I move into a life that looks like that? And some of you who are single again, and you're like, yeah, my past wasn't like that, but maybe it can be like that in the future. And then some of you who are newlyweds, you're like, is it gonna work? And others of you, you may be at that seven-year itch. You're really wondering, am i am like in it for the long haul? And then a few of you, You're at that place where you're at 20 years or more and everyone in the world thinks you're safe. Oh, they got 20 years, the rest is a brief newsflash. No, it's not. And you're wondering, how do you stay strong? Because really marriage, is it not? It is so so much like twirling a baton or doing handsprings or eating with chopsticks or mastering Microsoft Teams It looks easy until you actually try it. And so to answer that question, how in the middle of all of life's difficulty and marriage's challenges, how can you stay strong? We're gonna go back to the beginning. And, and back to the beginning, not just a marriage, but we're going to go back to the beginning of everything, to this marvelous cluster of verses in Genesis chapter two, which is really our home for the whole series of "Happily Ever After." Because in these words from Genesis chapter two, God gives his marvelous blueprint, his brilliant design, not only that, that there is this thing called marriage, but what it should look like. And if you're with us last week. If you weren't, I'm so glad you're here today. But if you're with us last week, you tuned in last week, you know know that we saw that Genesis chapter two had this incredible series of firsts. There was the first surgery leading to the first woman and the first couple, the first words. And best of all, best of all, we saw together that God, God gives away the first bride. And it lets you see from the beginning how this most delicate and intimate of relationships is on God's heart from the beginning. And it reaches its culmination in verse 24, where we have the first wedding. And look at what it says, where God really, in this very first wedding, God lays out the blueprint, not just for a pretty wedding, but for a beautiful marriage. It says this, and that is why, And you're like, well, what is why? Everything I just mentioned. First surgery, first couple, first words, first marriage, God giving away the first bride, all that beauty, all that power. That's why God says at this marriage in a garden, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Huh. The first word the prerequisite for marriage is leave not not and that is why I swipe left not that is why I wait for the sparks to fly not that is why take her for a test run take him for a test run by cohabitating for a while together see if it works out none of that instead that is why a man leaves the first prerequisite apparently the 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 preparation for marriage apparently has to do with this idea of leaving and as I ponder that I'm absolutely stunned by God's wisdom I shouldn't be because usually when you think about it God God generally knows a lot about a lot of things can I hear an amen for that that God knows a lot about a lot of things But in this case, in particular, when when God says for marriage to be healthy and whole, there's, there's gotta be this leaving. God is so wise and so brilliant because God knew, God knew from the beginning that within every marriage there would be emotions and there would be entanglements and there would be patterns from the past that you bring into that marriage And if those emotions and if those entanglements and if those patterns that you bring from the past into your today's marriage, if they don't get dealt with in a healthy way, they will ruin any possibility of a tomorrow in the marriage. God knew that. Because the world really is divided, I think, into into two kinds of people. The first kind of people, they they grew up in an idyllic home and they want the marriage that they enter into and then the marriage that they craft, they want it to be just like the one they'd done grown up in. And the other half, they grew up in a traumatic home, and they have vowed and promised and decided that the marriage that they create will be nothing like the one they grew up in. And guess what? Both groups of people will fail Those who want to replicate the marriage they grew up in exactly, and those who want to repudiate the one they grew up in completely, both of them will be incapable of doing either one. Because Good Shepherd, those of you who are married now, you bring stuff into your marriage. Those of you who are single now or single again now, Single again, you're looking back. Yeah, I brought stuff into marriage. And those of you who are single now, you got stuff going on in your life and you had stuff going on in your childhood. You're gonna bring that into your marriage. See, some of you grew up raised by an alcoholic or two. And others of you grew up in the middle of a divorce. In fact, you had a front row seat to that divorce. In fact, your seat was so much in the front row of that divorce that one of the parents in that marriage, they turned to you for emotional support to get you through, giving you adult responsibilities and adult emotions way before you were prepared for them. And others of you, maybe you grew up with a set of unrealistic expectations that were put on you. You know, I remember that night when I was, I was 15 and I know I was a teenager and I was 15 because I know I didn't drive there. I drove there with my parents and some of you knew I grew up playing tennis. And, and the, the tennis facility where, where I played there in Dallas, they had a little awards night. Not, not really a big deal, just a local thing, an awards night. And at that awards night, not only did I not win an award, but my name didn't even get mentioned And on the way home, my parents pleaded with me never to put them through another night like that where my name did not get mentioned in public. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the sickness? That there's nothing worse than you can put us through than to not get your name in lights at an award ceremony? And you think those kind of expectations and that level of understanding, you think that doesn't have tentacles And that doesn't have staying power. That's the kind of thing that you bring into marriage that I brought into marriage and all kinds of self-destructive behavior gets propelled by forces you're not even aware of. You bring stuff into marriage. I bring stuff into marriage. And when we don't leave it, when we don't understand it, when we don't process it, it ruins any possibility and any potential of a healthy marriage in the today and for the tomorrow. And there's one other thing that a lot of people bring into marriage. You ready for this? It's parents. Like, literally. Like parents who helicopter, stop elbowing. Like parents who helicoptered then and metal now. So with all the ways that yesterday influences and even infects tomorrow, today, to ruin a possibility of tomorrow. It really leads me to the conclusion, in light of the question that got everything going, how do you stay strong? How do you stay strong, good shepherd? And in light of that, and in light of Genesis two twenty four, 24, here's the obvious conclusion that God has given us. If you want to stay strong, you have to leave well. Yeah, staying strong involves leaving well because here's what I know that I know that I know is that a lot of you sabotage your marriages without ever really meaning to. And some of you sabotage your marriage because you have an idyllic picture from this home that you grew up in and you've decided it's gonna be exactly like that home you grew up in, including the same Christmas celebrations with the same routines. That doesn't ever cause any conflict in anybody's home, does it? And others of you, you grew up with so much trauma that your default, if things are ever smooth, because you grew up in trauma, your default is to pursue chaos. You you didn't know this until right now and I just said it, but you're so used to chaos, you're so used to trauma, that if you ever find things going smoothly, you will sabotage them to create drama where none existed. And all of that. All as a way that that yesterday impacts today and ruins the possibility of tomorrow. This message, this message is really for you to grow in your self-awareness so that you'll do a, a, a searching and a fearless moral inventory as they say. And when you do that searching and fearless moral inventory, you'll look at those forces in your past and you'll see how, how it's made you into a strong person for your marriage and and you'll also see the baggage that you bring. And as you do that searching and fearless moral inventory, and as you come to grips with the, the role of yesterday in the marriage today in, 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 that you have today, you'll know, hey, there are patterns I need to keep and there are cycles I need to break. Because staying strong, if you want to stay strong, you better leave well. And, and I think leaving well doesn't in, involve honoring what was right. I mean, uh, w- without trying to repeat it exactly, what a fine line. Hey, I, I, I was given a lot, a lot of strength, a lot of emotional resilience from the way I grew up. And, and I want to bring that into my marriage without repeating it exactly. Uh, and, and, and for a lot of you, you when when you leave well it won't be so much of a good riddance but what's the strength that can come in and, and and my wife Julie we've been married 37 years she's a lot this way do you do you have any idea how maddening it is to be married to someone with absolutely zero insecurities I mean this is it's just devastating, especially when, when you're just a simmering cauldron of insecurities below the surface, like, I don't know, somebody I know. And, and to be married to someone with none, well, the reason she doesn't have any is because from the womb she was affirmed and she was encouraged, and she was told that she was the apple of her parents' eye. And she's lived into that. Well, well in our case, how, how do we honor what was right in that without expecting me as, as a Texan to repeat precisely what she learned and how she grew up as a New Yorker. That ain't happening. So you gotta, to to leave, to stay strong, you gotta leave well. But it's not only honoring what was right, it's naming what was wrong. Not just honor right. You gotta name what's wrong. In almost every uh, premarital counseling that I do with couples, we have an exercise where we go through and we actually, well, what, you, what was right in, in that marriage that you grew up in and what was wrong in it that you wanna bring this in and you wanna uh, cut this out, what patterns to keep and cycles to break. And here's the thing, it, it really is an exercise in excavation I hope to help a couple excavate the past and lift it up for examination because when you excavate it and and when you elevate it to to examine it, you rob the past of its power. And the the past can't be robbed of its power if it stays buried. And and so for a lot of you, you'll you'll need to go through that painful, difficult work. It may involve couples therapy. It may involve individual therapy. Because as I mentioned last week, A lot of times we we think we got marriage problems and the truth is, no, you, you got a you problem. And that you problem got brought into your marriage and you got to deal with the you problem before you can ever deal with the we problem. So it may take therapy of the couples kind, of the individual kind. It may take the beautiful marriage movement. It will take a lot of prayer, but in all of it, in all of it, you got to rob the past of its power by being honest about its influence. If you wanna stay strong, you gotta leave well. And One other word to those of you who are married and your parents are still alive, especially if you're a young adult married and your parents are still alive. I just give a warning, if you wanna honor your parents, when you go back home to visit them, you wanna be very careful not to revert to adolescence. This really plagued me and Julie when we were newly married and we'd go see her folks in Pennsylvania or my folks in Texas and both of us would just revert. In the presence of our own parents, we would revert to childishness. And, and you can think, well, that's just honoring your parents, seeking their approval. No, it's not. They, they didn't raise you so that you would always be codependent upon them. They raised you so that you could ultimately relate to them adult to adult. So it's not only not honoring, it's actually, it's actually kind of pitiful. And if I could have a word for, for parents, those of you who are parents live streaming or live and you've got married children, Come on, are you, if to stay strong, you have to leave well, have you let your son or your daughter leave? One of the saddest conversations I've ever had in ministry happened about 30 years ago now. And it was with the the mom of a son who was going through a divorce. And as we were talking, I think we were talking on the phone. I'm sure we were talking on the phone. She was cleaning her son's house that's worrisome. She was cleaning her adult son's house and talking about the impending divorce. And she told me about ex-daughter-in-law, she never could keep this house clean. And I was like, oh, is, is, is that what did it? And she said, well, he found someone else, but she never could keep the house clean. Whew. That is the worst of false equivalencies in the history of false equivalencies. And what was going on is that there was never any healthy leaving cause there was lifelong smothering. So moms and dads of marrieds have the self, do your own searching and fearless moral inventory. Did you helicopter then? And are you meddling now? Because deep down, Deep down, even with the best of intentions, even with the best of intentions, almost every parent secretly is kind of glad when their grown child comes to them with a marital issue because, you know, <laughs> yeah, that that made never quite as good as I am. Now, always oh, got to come back to me for advice. No. It's so unhealthy. We, we, we And I have two married children. We have this ability, we have this knack to make sure that our need to be needed is greater than the need. Did you catch that? Moms and dads of married children, is your need to be needed so much greater than the actual need that you take microscopic problems and you magnify them? So short of chronic infidelity and and short of abuse, moms and dads have the wherewithal, have the self-awareness to know, yeah, they need to stay strong by leaving well, which means relating to me, not as confidant, as parent. There's one other piece to all this leaving well. (laughs) There's a, father and his daughter or little daughter who went to a wedding ceremony at which they had a unity candle, which is very common. I don't know how many unity candle ceremonies I've been involved in, but a lot. And and so as the little girl watched the couple blow out their candles and light the middle candle, the father turned to her and he said, well, honey, do you know what that means? And she said, yeah, no more old flames. (laughs) Well, yeah. It means, it means married people, no confidants of the opposite gender in your life. It means you don't go to your high school reunion so that you can get reunited cause it feels so good. <laughs> it means that your husband or your wife or your fiance for all I care has the passcode, to your smartphone because you gave up the right to privacy the moment you said i do if you want to stay strong you got to leave well because here's what i hope happens in 10 years 20 years 30 years that the couples of good shepherd will look back on their married lives and the way they've transformed pretty weddings into beautiful marriages. And, and when asked, would you do it all over again? And they would be able to answer, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it all over again. Let's pray. So Father, thank you that... You know so much about marriage that not only did you invent it, you designed it and you've given us the blueprint for it. Give the people within the sound of my voice wisdom and truth and boldness to be really good leavers. In Jesus' name, amen.